gonna do without you? What are we gonna do to show we care? How are we gonna be there for our children? When they feel that life has just not been that fair. Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask mothers and fathers align saving kids. Kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, or even a school for the upcoming school year starting in September, please give us a call. Our number is 718-758-0400. All calls are kept strictly confidential. I'm going to repeat the number. Maybe you need it for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually sit next to in shul. Remember, you can call anonymously and describe a situation, and we will connect you to whatever professionals that could be helpful, whether it's an organization, another different organization than MASK, whether it's therapist, psychiatrist, whatever it is that you may need, including parent support groups. MASK offers parent support groups. So if you need a parent support group, Monday night, Dr. Debbie Ackman, Tuesday night, Dr. Shmuel Brachfeld, Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Benzion Twersky. We also have Dr. Marcy Forta, an eating disorder group. All the groups are by Zoom. If you want to join, feel free to call the Mask Helpline at 718-758-0400. And you can join by Zoom. Dr. Trish Atiyah facilitates group the first Tuesday of the month in person in Brooklyn. For more information, please call the mask office and we will make sure to give you the information for the group that best suits your needs. So tonight, I'm really, really happy to have on with us a colleague that I have been working along with, I don't know, I think from the day mask opened actually, and that is Dr. Norman Blumenthal, world-renowned Dr. Norman Blumenthal. Yes, that is the Director of Services for the Ohel Zaktus Family National Trauma Center. But I have been working with him back in the day, mask is 25 years, over 117,000 families have joined our programs. And I remember Dr. Blumenthal from the Cajal days, vice president of Nefesh, chairman of the Board of Education for Cajal. 
I'd like to welcome you on, Dr. Blumenthal. How are you? And thank you for coming on with us tonight. I know you're such a busy person going around the world, helping families. So it really means a lot that you came on to our show. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege. Um, it's pretty amazing that I've been busy with you for 25 years since I am only 35 years old. <laughs> but uh, I don't accept all these offers, but I cannot say no, no to you, Rahama, for all the work that you've done with MASK and, and, and your devotion and dedication to our children. So it is a privilege to be on. Thank you. Thank you. And with my staff, it's not a one-man band. So thank you. Um, Dr. Norman Blumenthal is also in private practice in Cedarhurst. Um, I, I want to talk about disasters and traumatic events. There have been so many, sadly, that has happened most recently even. And I think I'd like to start with um, reactions to the news when there is a traumatic event. One's first reaction and how we as parents should react because listening to social media, being watching about it, telling your spouse, your kids, and the reaction is so important, that first reaction, what kids actually witness. So if you can talk on that, please. Sure, sure. Well, times have changed very quickly. Um, the day and age of parents being gatekeepers in terms of what information children have or don't have uh, is now out the window with uh, the Internet and social media. Children have access to all sorts of information, and that has not only provided them with this access, but it has changed the culture of childhood because it, there used to be sort of an unspoken agreement between parents and children that there's certain things that go on in the adult world from which children are insulated. And children had that period of naivete, that sort of umbrella of early age where they were not exposed to some of the scary aspects of life until they were old enough to better handle it. Today, children at very young ages are exposed to everything, as you indicated, social media, uh, the Internet, and... As I said, they also feel entitled to know. So even if we want to try to deprive them of information, children insist, literally insist, and will make it their business to find out and sometimes from unreliable sources. So we at the OHIL trauma team are constantly in the position where we have to share information with children that we wish they didn't have to know. And that goes for the news events as well. The news events are, first of all, it's, it's way past the age when there were four or five uh, television stations that provided the news or two or three newspapers. Today, there's hundreds of news providers competing for our attention. And of course, the more sensational they can be, the more attention they get. And they are bombarding our children with information and very graphic depictions of some very scary events. And this may be the reason why we're seeing so much anxiety among children. I just want to say I'm not a hand wringer. I don't think we can turn the clock back. We have to figure out how to live in our times and deal with this and help our children. But they, there is an unprecedented exposure to frightening news. And it is the adult's responsibility and particularly the parents, I'd say teachers, to help give the children the proper perspective, to train them how to find reliable news sources 
and how to limit even how much exposure they have to frightening news events. Dr. Blumenthal, parents themselves are frightened and they need to first have a plan for their responses. So what would you say a parent should do when hearing frightening news for themselves before speaking to children? Well, it's like the old metaphor on the airplanes that you put the oxygen on yourself before you put it on your child. Um, first process it yourself. First, first put it in the proper perspective and recognize and acknowledge your own humanity. I mean, the fact that we are unnerved by things that occur in the world also shows our concern and our connection to others. So without berating oneself, package it, put it in the proper perspective yourself. You don't fool children. In fact, frightened children are sometimes more responsive to your voice tone and your body language than what you say. So if I can try to be a bit of an active, you say to a child, there's nothing to be scared of. You told me something to be scared of. Um, so of course, first process it yourself, first discuss it. And there's nothing better than talking it over with other people. That alone, just putting it in words and getting the feedback and perspective of others. So call the spouse, call the the friend, make sure you have a handle on whatever frightening events are happening and then process it with your child. Dr. Blumenthal, I usually tell parents, being that we're on Zoom live, it's so available to attend programs that all the agencies are putting out there, including OHEL. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, even if it's not Nogeya us, Baruch Hashem, thank you God, that things are quiet, doesn't mean parents shouldn't tune in to programs for prevention reasons. Be prepared. Sure, sure. We have to strike a balance between being, let's say, appropriately vigilant for whatever dangers exist in our times, and at the same time not to be terrorized, nor to be complacent. And that's part of our responsibility as adults, to give over um, enough awareness of potential danger so that children learn to protect themselves, and at the same time that they're not afraid to, to leave their bedroom. So that's the, the mission that we have as adults. And sometimes, as I said, the bombardment of media and exposure can, you know, push the, you know, push the pendulum to one extreme. And then we have to temper it. By the way, it depends on the child as well. Uh, if a child has a tendency towards anxiety, then your focus is going to be much more on calming the child down. If your child has a tendency not to be anxious, is an anxious adversive, is the child's more sort of uh, impulsive and unthinking, then sometimes we have to scare them. We have to make sure that they know that there are dangers and uh, that there has to be a certain alertness or an element of vulnerability. Right. And when there are programs like what I'm trying to bring out to listeners to understand is when there are programs being offered, ADHD, if you have a child that's in third grade and they're offering a program about ADHD by Zoom, tune in. It's free by Zoom. Tune in. There are programs how to speak to children with anxiety. Tune in. If you know that you have anxiety gene in the family, learn about it. There are so many now being available by Zoom, being offered. 
by all the different agencies out there, including OHEL. So, and including, and including MISC. And MISC. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yes, thank you. So um, you mentioned COVID and you brought up anxiety. I know with MASK, when we started 25 years ago, our focus was addiction, and we unraveled to prevention now 25 years later. I know that anxiety is the number one phone call that MASK gets on its hotline, on the helpline. Um, things have changed. COVID is very, it's a big, big um, change in society, emotionally, mentally, and physically. What have you seen, Dr. Blumenthal? Well, what, what we have seen, yeah, the, the, there's the research shows. Right. Unprecedented levels of anxiety. There's more anxiety today than there was during the Great Depression, during World War II, during the tumultuous years in the 60s. Um, and again, we could speculate a lot why that's happening. I alluded to one theory previously. Um, and the interesting thing about now that we're living in the somewhat post-COVID era, but we're Are we? Well, you know, the COVID is still there, but it's it's not posing the danger. Yes. I mean, we're not seeing them as many hospitalizations and deaths as we had seen previously. And of course, God. most most people's lives have more so than not resumed. Uh, you know, almost so we're not quarantining uh, as we had, except maybe people those who are more medically at risk. But what happens with this or any other kind of crisis? While you're in the crisis, you don't have time to think about the emotional sequelae. You're just looking to to make it, to survive, to be careful. So the body has the mind has a remarkable capacity to sort of like park the emotions and deal deal with the reality. We see that very vividly, for example, with the residential fires. If a family has a residential fire, and, and even, let's say, cases where, oh, God willing, everybody at least survives, but still, there's so much has to be done. If you know anybody's at a residential fire, you lose everything. You lose, you know, you don't have clothing, you don't have your passport, your driver's license, your wallet, and you have to find some place to live, and you have to deal with insurance and justice, and you're very busy, and then maybe two years later, you're, you have all your papers back, you have all your pictures, you have a new wardrobe, you have a new house, brand new, beautiful house, and that's when the nightmares start, because sometimes that's when you can sort of like now process the emotional sequelae. So we're seeing the same thing, I think, with, with COVID right now, is that as life gets more so than not back to normal, now some of the emotional sequelae of what we went through is beginning to emerge, along with, as you mentioned, um, anxiety. What, what's happening because of the high levels of anxiety, and, and this is something, again, I can say that always involved, and I'm sure mask in some ways involved as well, is rather than we're, we're shifting the model in the past, let's say in a school, a teacher would identify those children who have anxiety and refer them to the mental health professional. The anxiety is so pervasive that we're bringing the mental health professional into the classroom. We're deputizing teachers. We're training them in recognizing anxiety and even treating moderate levels of anxiety or some of the preventative work in terms of stress management, et cetera. Uh, we have in, in all, we have the MAP program, which is the Middle School Anxiety Prevention Program, where we're in 10 schools and we're doing just that because we, we can't handle all the anxiety. I'm sure you know that from your work with MASK. And I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> right. And, and it's interesting that when we started and you remember those days at Cajal, mm -hmm. um, you know, schools, yeshivas were hesitant 
to put therapists in. Whereas mm -hmm. today, the yeshivas, all the I will say all, capital yes. all, the yeshivas are requesting therapists to be put into the mm -hmm. schools. The yeshivas sure. across the board, every sure. single yeshiva is asking for additional support therapists. If they're being serviced, they're not serviced enough even. Mm -hmm. They keep mm -hmm. asking for more. We get requests every day for more and more services. Yes, absolutely. And um, as I said, that's why in a way there's a little bit of a shift now that right. uh, we're, we're actually, you know, the, the, the other point is, you know, we don't need teachers anymore as purveyors of information. Uh, a child can click a mouse and find out about everything. So the role of the teacher is shifting. And the teacher today is increasingly involved with the emotional and social adjustment of the child. Again, that's adjusting to our times. And uh, so we're, we're sort of piggybacking on that, and I'm sure Maskers as well, in terms of bringing in mental health services into the school beyond even just the provider. Yes, we do have in the schools, and we have an after-school program. So anyone interested in an after-school program in the Crown Heights community, please give Mask a call at 718-758-0400. And anyone's school that does need therapists, you can feel free to call Mask, and we will connect you with the organizations that service your area and your schools or yeshivas. So please find out if your school needs a therapist, more than one, I'm sure. Not, no one therapist can handle every school. And uh, feel free to call us for that as well. Um, doctor, do you want to go through the five stages of trauma, please? You're talking about Kubler-Ross? Uh, uh, denial, anger, what, what yeah, else? Okay, okay. So I'm going to actually maybe burst your bubble. Okay. Uh, Kubler-Ross made a huge contribution to the area of more in terms of grief um uh in terms of bringing it from let's say nurse nursing and clergy into the mental health realm and deserves a lot of credit for that but the research does not confirm that people actually go through these kind of predictable stages in such a sequence and even though it's right. commonly taught and published um now each stage is relevant but it's relevant along with other stages and it's certainly safe to say that when there are life-shattering events you don't deal with it all at once right away the different pieces of it that you address as as you acclimate and adjust but to think that you can go through those five or seven stages in, in order, not only is it not backed by research, but Kubler-Ross herself, towards the end of her life, and she did die young, um, retracted that and said that it's like oversimplistic. I, I think it's important to emphasize that because sometimes like people tell me, I didn't, I didn't go through denial. I didn't go through anger. Like, what's the matter with me? It's not, it's not so, so simply prescribed, but it is safe to say that there is, there are, that, that, that a response to a trauma and to a death is, stage-like and that there as one grieves or as one adjusts to the experience of the post-trauma reaction there are different pieces of those events that they experience but they experience it in their own very unique way as individuals and there is a book the body keeps the score which mm -hmm. is an amazing book that parents yeah. should get their hands on buy mm -hmm. it read it 
If you have to read it in small doses, that's fine. It's an mm -hmm. excellent book. Would you like to share about that book and why it's so good for parents to read to understand? Well, it, it really, it, it very deftly connects the sort of more visceral and, bi and biological responses to trauma um, with the events. So some of the, you know, it's a little bit like Viktor Frankl's famous line that an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal. It helps somebody who's been through a traumatic event to not to feel that they're going crazy, but to understand and understand them, the sort of natural mobilization of the body that takes place when you're in a destabilizing situation and what function that serves. So that some of these reactions that feel so abnormal, you can appreciate what function they're serving. And again, he, he spells it out very well. Thank you. Dr. Blumenthal, how do you want to address, uh, how should parents address when they have children of different ages about speaking them to them together, speaking to them separately, if you can explain the best way to go about it, please. That's a, yeah, that's a, it's a hard question to generalize because there are times when it's beneficial to have the children together, that they can be supportive of one another and that they get the same script. And sometimes you have to, to address it separately. We generally, when we look at it developmentally, we look at it from basically three stages, which might be a bit of an oversimplification, but we look at preschool-age children, elementary school-age children, and adolescents. Because as the brain develops in those different stages, they process information differently. For example, if a very scary untoward event occurs, you can tell an elementary school-age child that this is rare. You, you can't tell that to uh, a preschool-age child because their world is three blocks long. So if you say something is rare, means it's going to happen. And you may have to say, it's not going to happen again, even though you can't guarantee that they're not interested in statistics, but they, they may need that kind of assurances. Uh, another example might be that if, again, um, somebody, if a child, let's say something happens which makes us struggle religiously, the Tzadik Rebbe Rosh Hashanah why bad things happen to good people, that's going to be an issue for an adolescent. It's not going to be an issue for elementary school-age children. They're not trying to figure God out. They're, they, they, you know, they're, Accept whatever you're, they're told, and they're not, they're not, that's not where their brain goes, but the adolescent, their brain goes in that direction. So true. Um, I, I really want to touch on. Let's say they're in a colony and there is a loss. Somebody comes back to the colony after the Shiva, the seven days of mourning. And you don't know how to be. Do you go and say, I'm here for you? Do you, you know, I want you to talk about both sides from the visitor, the one that wants to offer help and, and, and be there for their neighbor and from the person that is going through tragedy, uh, their own tragedy and how they feel. Everybody's looking at them. Everybody's speaking about them. If you can touch on both, please. How many hours do we have? Well, uh, you got around. Four, <laughs> you got four minutes. Four <laughs> minutes. I feel like hello on one foot. Okay. Um, so, so uh, suffice it to say, don't try to undo their pain. You can't. The pain is legitimate, and if your intention is to quote unquote make them feel better by trying to explain what happened or 
put in a perspective that can make it less painful, that's a disservice. Usually people go through a tragedy like that, not only are, is their pain legitimate, they need their pain. Um, what you can best do is validate and love. Validate the legitimate, however you do it. Validate how legitimate it is that their pain, that there is their the pain they're going through, and just embrace them if they are close. Don't don't feign friendship you don't have, but if they are close friends, sometimes a hug does a lot more than trying to give some sort of hashkafic explanation why why this this terrible thing happened. Um, I remember visiting a friend who who lost uh, a young son and. Um, he was from, he was out of town. I had to fly there. And uh, I came to the Shiva visit. I sat and listened to what he said. I got up. I asked him if I could give him a hug. We hugged. It was, I said, I'm welcome. And I flew home. That's, that's Nechum Um And so that, uh, again, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm summarizing something that people are writing books about. Um, but that would be the basic points. Right, and sending over a meal, helping if they have young children, and say, I could take your child, I'm going to the park, let mm -hmm. me take your young child. Mm -hmm. um, offering in different ways, you know, yes. there's, there's only two washing machines in the old bungalow colony days, remember? <laughs> <laughs> so offering, do the laundry, for the, whatever it may be, just to mm -hmm. offer a good support. It doesn't have to be a conversation. By offering support, dropping off a fresh hot cocoa Friday afternoon by their door and just leaving it there, anything, mm -hmm. that could be helping the ones to recognize and know you're there for them and make it easier for them because sometimes they're scared of people coming to break the ice with them. Mm -hmm. sure. So, Dr. Blumenthal, what is your message for parents? <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll leave, you know, we have a tradition to end on a positive note. So, yes. so let's, let's, let's do that. Uh, children aren't a piece of porcelain. Children are incredibly resilient, and children are very skilled at letting us know what they need. So don't, don't kit-glove your children. They live in a time and age when, and it's not going to get any better, where there's going to be huge exposure to some very scary events. You know, give them the resilience, give them the strength to handle it. They have it inherently, just bring it out of them. And uh, don't worry so much about them and your children. Listen to them. They'll let, make it very clear to you what they need and, and uh, what you need to do for them. So uh, have confidence. In their, in their resourcefulness and in their strength. And they have confidence that Hashem will make sure that uh, we're, uh, we'll guarantee their safety and our safety, God willing. Thank you. Amen. And we're running out of time, Doctor, but I do want to just say that you should watch out for children, whether they're becoming more clingy, whether they're having trouble sleeping, whether, um, you know, they, they don't want to go back to school, to their building, all these issues. You should be speaking to professionals such as by OHEL and anyone that wants to reach out to Dr. Blumenthal, feel free to call MASK and we will try and connect you. Sure. And um, our number again is 718 758 
zero zero. Thank you, Dr. Blumenthal, for coming My on. My pleasure. Thank and you for having me. I, yeah, and I hope to have you on again soon. And <laughs> okay. stay safe. Have a safe you summer. Too. Thank, thank you. You too. And uh, to all of you listening. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Thank you. And I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and virtually now still hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and donate so that we can continue with all these shows and our programs. Thank you and have a good night. Hey, this is Alan Dershowitz um, inviting you to tune into the Dersh Show, the Dersh Show, where we discuss the most important issues of the day. You know, the Dersh Show, all that's missing is the wits. And that's what I need you for, to provide the wits. We broadcast Monday through Thursday evenings at 11 p.m., courtesy of Rumble on WVIP. P ninety three point five FM HD two Talkline Network dot com and our twenty four hour listening line at six four one seven nine three oh three eight two. Please join us on the Dirt Show to really get a grasp of what's going on in our world today, and you'll hear it directly from me through my lens, which you know is always going to be your lens. So thank you. Jack Plushnick here from Jack on the Air. Do you care about politics? How about local issues? In today's crazy world, we all have an opinion, and I want to hear yours. Please share it with me. Thursday nights from 10 p.m. to 11, we have a lot to talk about. Issues spanning from education to gun control to policing. I want to hear it all, and I want to hear it from you. Join me every Thursday night from 10 to 11, right here 